Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. This book is secret, but first, we want to thank a few people who have left us reviews. Right, Peyton? Uh-huh. Oh. Okay. Cells1994. It says, love, my daughter and I love listening during our commute. Thank you. Thank you, Cells1994. You want to say something to them? Thank you. We appreciate you, and we just want to say, if it weren't for you guys, we would not keep doing this huh Pepe we read every night anyways but like it's a little bit of work to do this huh yep mm-hmm. and we have to stay committed if we say we're gonna do something we have to do it right yep yep well cells 1994 thank you very much and if anybody wants to update their review so that you can change your name and if you want to leave your kids first name we'll totally shout your girl out or your boy out and you can even say what state you live in i wouldn't do too much too much in-depth information maybe just your kid's first name and the state that you live in and we would just like totally love to shout you out right pay right Payne's like starting to fall asleep already all right well then let's get to it the name of this book is secret chapter 19 I hope that it's not giving away too much to tell you that only two days later the midnight sun would be devoured by a fire. How and why was it set on fire, and who, if anyone, was burned into a crisp? And whether or not the smell of sulfur in the air, and whether or not there was a smell of sulfur in the air, these are questions that will have to wait. In the meantime, the midnight sun's fiery fate frees me to describe it in detail. Because it is gone, you can no longer find it, no matter how good of your information is. So many subjects study in school prove unnecessary in life. For math, there is always a calculation. For English, there is always a spell check. For history, there is always an encyclopedia. Why should you hold on to so much knowledge in your head when it is stored right in front of you? But there is one subject that comes in handy time after time. Thinking. I'm thinking, of course, about Egyptology. The name is just one example. A thorough understanding of the mummification process is indispensable whether you are dispatching an enemy or preserving a friend or simply bandaging a head injury. More to the point, if you are familiar with the layout of the temples from Egypt's Middle Kingdom, roughly 200, 2000 to 1600 BC, then you already have a sense of what the midnight sun looks like. In particular, the spa was an almost exact replica of a little-known temple in Egypt, the god Thoth, a temple built over the grave of an unnamed pharaoh and accessible only to a three by a three-day camel ride through the desert. Cass was sadly ignorant of the finer points of the Egyptian architecture. She knew, though, to recognize a pyramid when she saw one. Passing through the midnight sun's massive gates, she was temporarily blinded by the blazing light, but her eyes adjusted and she could see the mid-size, by Egyptian standards, pyramids standing precise in the middle of the spa grounds. Perched on the top of the pyramid was something 
that would have astonished even the most seasoned Egyptian explorer. It was a lantern, but much more than a lantern, a perfect orb. It resembled nothing so much as a rising sun. Inside, fire danced, every which way as it fueled not by electricity or gas, but rather by some unknown supernatural source. Although the fire appears gold at first, at first glance, a longer look revealed a kaleidoscope of colors in the flames. It was this lantern that Cass had seen earlier peeking over the mountain. Now, as the limousine doors opened for her, the lantern was so close that she had to shield her eyes despite the fact that she was wearing sunglasses. She had a sudden change of heart and decided to make a run for it. The glare would have been dissuaded, would have dissuaded her. Anyone in the vicinity could be seen as clearly as if a spotlight were shining upon them. It's just like a prison, Cass thought. A large gloved hand helped her out of the vehicle. She assumed that the hand belonged to Daisy until she looked up and saw Dr. L's hand, two handsome face smiling down at her, his silver hair glowing unnatural in the light of the lantern. She stifled a gasp, squeezing her backpack tight to her arms. This was the moment of truth. Would he recognize her? Miss Skelton, welcome to the Midnight Sun. I am Dr. L, he said smoothly, as if he were just meeting her for the first time. Miss Mavius regrets that she cannot greet you herself. She keeps to a very strict bedtime routine. But she's asked me to extend every courtesy in her, every courtesy in her place. Cass nodded, too overwhelmed to speak. The light was making her dizzy. Or, or was it her nerves? Behind, the, behind her, the limousine quietly pulled away, and there was no going back. Oh my gosh. Freaky. I know. It's bright here. You'll have to get used to it, said Dr. L, tilting his head in the direction of the pyramid. That lantern was brought by a ship from Egypt many years ago, but the flame inside has already been burning for thousands of years. Before that, legend has it, it started with a fireball from hell. Like a meteor, Cass managed to ask? Exactly. Because the flame never dies, we call it the midnight sun. It's like a sun that never sets. But you must be very tired. He gestured towards a freckled-faced young man with white tunic and yet another pair of white gloves standing silently next to the stone table. This is o Owen, your personal butler. He will escort you to your room. Nice to m m meet you, Owen stuttered. He smiled shyly. Cass breathed a silent sigh of relief. Owen, at least, was not very intimidating. But at first, a small formality, Dr. L, his undefiably, undentifiable accent was especially strong as he pronounced the word formality. Do you, do you need me to pay? asked Cass, ready to hand over the credit card her mother had given her. Dr. L chuckled. Oh, we'll worry about that later. It's just that we have to look around. We have to look through all of our guests' baggage when they arrive. Do you want to look in my backpack? Cass asked. The midnight sun is a place of healing and we insist that nothing contaminate the atmosphere. Sugar, junk food, firearms, that sort of thing. Cass reluctantly handed her backpack to Owen, who started removing items from Dr. L's inspection. Cass hoped desperately that nothing would reveal who she was. I see you've come prepared, said Dr. L dryly as he opened up Cass's flashlight and binoculars other and other survivalist gear. What's that? A space blanket? 
I think you'll find the bedding here is quite ample, but of course, one never knows. I must say you seem much more independent than your sisters. My sisters? I mean, you know them? Cass, re Cass corrected herself flustered. Certainly, they've been here several times. Miss Mobius is very fond of them, but you must know that. He smiled blandly. Yeah, I knew that, said Cass quickly as her palms were sweating. That's why I'm here. Normally, we don't encourage our guests to bring camping equipment, but we'll make an exception tonight. He nodded for Owen to return the backpack. However, I'm afraid I will have to ask you to leave your cell phone, asked Dr. L. Hopefully, you'll appreciate the opportunity for silence and meditation. Cass rose. She had hated silence and meditation, but that wasn't the problem. Her phone was the only thing linking her to the outside world. If the worst should happen, she might at least have to send her mother a message or a picture of herself waving goodbye. Cass was about to say that she hadn't brought a cell phone, but then she thought about it. What if self-respecting skeleton sister would leave home without one? The danger of blowing her cover was too great of a risk. She reached into her backpack and handed over the phone. Goodbye, she thought. Although the although whether she was addressing the phone or her mother on the whole world, she couldn't her mother or the whole world she couldn't have said. As Owen, let's see here. As Owen led her to her room, Cass tried to forget her fears and to concentrate on the surroundings. The midnight sun she saw spread out from a pyramid of series of, of concentric circles. A wide reflecting pool dotted with lily pads and lotus, lotus blossoms surrounded by a pyramid. A courtyard size, at least an acre size, paved sandstone surrounded the reflecting pool. A series of low stone buildings from the, from the columns surrounded the courtyard. Flowering vines, jasmine, honeysuckle, and other more exotic varieties crept up the columns, filling the air with the scent of, with their scent and making the midnight sun all the more ancient, beautiful, and secret. While the lantern of the pyramid created, created the effect of almost daylight, the whole of the mountain, a mountain sun just seemed to be asleep. It was like coming across a remote village in the mid-afternoon, finding the inhabitants had fallen under a spell. Behind one of these doors, Cass thought Benjamin was being kept prisoner, or would they keep, or would they keep him underground in some kind of labyrinth or dungeon? Perhaps he was underneath her feet that very moment. Cass imagined a dark corridor lined with prison cells, Benjamin and Luciano and the other children stolen by Miss Mobius grasping the steel bars, pleading for help. Before she knew it, Cass was standing in their new room, and Owen was binding her, was bidding her, go, go, good night, go, go, can I go, go, get you anything b b before bed? I go, go, go. Aw, oh, poor guy. Needless to say, Cass had never had a butler before. She'd never even seen one before except on movies and TVs. Owen wasn't anything like a movie butler. First, he didn't wear a tuxedo. Second, he was too young. Owen was the age of that was that age that is an older kid but younger than than parents. Maybe that age for an uncle or like a half brother from your father's first marriage. You know, that age. 
Third, he didn't have an English accent or even speak properly. But that made it all the more difficult to know how to treat him. I don't want anything, said Cass, trying to sound like a bossy Harris. Go away now. Immediately, she felt like she'd overdone it. She was too rude. She may have made an enemy of Owen. I mean, if that's okay, she added in a friendly tone. My shoes are still wet and I just want to get out of them. Owen didn't seem to notice her tone one way or the other. You know, in the old d d days, they m m made guests sleep in the b b wet socks. Wet socks? Why? asked Cass, making a face. W w when you have cold feet, your b b blood circulates to warm them up. B b but, but they have other w ways of doing that now, he said darkly. Before Cass could ask what he meant, he was out the door. Moorish tiles, potted palms, and a bed to made to look like a Bowden tent. I don't know what that word is, I'm sorry. And an arched window facing a pyramid. Her room could have been a palace. A palace bedroom for in Giza. And at another time, in another circumstance, Cass may have loved staying in this room like this. Now she could only regard the room with dread. It was the first hotel room she'd ever stayed in. She couldn't help fearing it would be the last. She assured herself that the disguise was intact, and if Dr. L had recognized her, he wouldn't have welcomed her in so courteously. But that was no use. She lay in the bed, tensing every time she heard a sound. In her imagination, the hum of the pool filter was churning the molten gold and the rust of the leaves signaled the, the presence of angry monkeys coming back for their young. Her idea was to wait in the room until everyone at the spa had gone to sleep. Then she would sneak out and look for Benjamin. As hours had passed, she kept putting off the moment. Even after the pyramids, pyramids lantern had finally began to dim, she told herself to wait a little bit longer, just to be safe. If you've ever slept anywhere other than... <laughs> Other than home, then you know it's often difficult to fall asleep in a strange bed. However, it's equally difficult to stay awake after you've experienced one of the longest, scariest, most exhausting days of your life. Cass fell asleep. She dreamt that she was traveling in Egypt, searching for the fabled trove of berry gold. A turbaned guided, a turbaned guide who strangely looked like her butler Owen led her into a massive, hulking pyramid. Inside. Dark tunnels coiled around and around, getting narrower and narrower and going deeper and deeper underground. Cass had to stop, then crawl, then slither on her stomach. She had trouble breathing, and she just wanted to turn around, but she couldn't. She felt claustrophobic, and she was afraid that she would suffocate. Then, finally, she saw glittering from it two pans of gold creating a giant M, the ancient arches. The pyramid innermost chamber was in underground McDonald's. She tried telling herself, no, that wasn't right. She didn't want to go to McDonald's in order to be able to make their hamburgers. In order to make their hamburgers, McDonald's raised and slaughtered so many cows that they became diseased and the land was destroyed. Land that should never have been used to grow grain and feed hungry people. It was an old environmental emergency. There was so much cow dung during that time the methane gases from the from the dung made the air smoggy 
She knew all about that from, doc from a documentary she saw with her mom. If he'd just given her back, back, given her back her cell, if she could just call her mom, if only, please let me out, please. But then, Owen, I mean her butler, I mean her guide, wouldn't listen. The magic word had just lost its power. Okay, I don't know what that is, but that is super spooky and messed up, and I cannot wait for the next one. Bye, and Peyton's asleep, she ditched us.